0: 2020 was a rough year for everyone. Um, As a pastor, I was pastoring a church through a pandemic and through a death of an elder, and it ended, that year ended in my first marriage ending in a divorce. And in my small Christian community, it was very public online. You know how social media is. And The hurt that I went through made me run from God. It made me feel like God was done with me. We all have gone through that. So in today's sermon on prayer, I first want you to know that God loves you. And he wants to hear from you. We have a very approachable God. It's not about cleaning ourselves up or performing, or wearing a three-piece suit and then go to prayer. It's all about getting your act together before you come to Jesus. You come to Jesus, and he transforms you. The Messiah uses messy people. And if you don't believe that, read about the Apostle Paul. I love Paul's life. His ministry started at the stoning of the first Christian martyr. And he was on his way to put Christians in jail, and some historians actually believe that Paul may have actually killed Christians, or at least greenlit. I don't know about you, but that's not going to get you hired at a Baptist church on your resume. Another thing, I am living proof that prayer works because a couple months ago, when Chris asked me to help with this sermon series in the book, I said yes, yeah, great. And then I remembered the chapter on fasting. And I went, Oh no! So I prayed, Dear Lord, please don't let him ask me to do the prayer on fasting because with my Baptist roots, it's clear that I haven't missed a potluck. So. I'm trying to prove that God's apology can get fat, so that's just a little goal of mine. before we get into the discipline of the prayer I want you to I want you to know this the the secrets that Richard Foster talks about in that chapter have been lived out in the church through centuries there's I'm not going to try being hip and cool up here, not trying to get the new Christian buzzword, what I am telling you is if you apply what we learned today, you'll become a deeper prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in some prayer circles for so long I've been praying for them to stop. So, I, you know... There's prayer. There's prayers that use Jesus' name like a comma. They they're like, oh, Father, and they say Father God a thousand times. Father God, pray for Brother Billy and his new car. And Jesus, pray for Wilma and her new knee. And Jesus, they use Jesus as a comma, right? If you grew up in the Pentecostal church like me, you know that prayer can be a show. There's been times because of my cerebral palsy and my bad knees, we're around a prayer and I'm praying for the rapture to happen or a storm to happen, the t- a t- tornado to happen, anything so I can sit down because the prayer circle is going too long. Or if the pastor is praying, we all have that guy in the circle who's the echo prayer. Who's the echo prayer? Come on, we all know what the echo, pr- oh, I echo that, I echo that, Lord, I echo that. Oh, Pat, the, someone could be praying and like, oh, I pray for their cancer. Yes, Lord, yes, we pray for it. he heard me, he heard me once, right? So prayer is not a performance, it's a relationship. Richard, Richard Foster says, prayer. It's probably the most vital and central of the disciplines because it brings you into communion with God. I know that's a fancy word. What it means is into a conversation with God. You can talk to God. In the year 2021, I did a lot of heartfelt praying to God. And it was, right now I'm praying for my technology to work. This week has been crazy for me when it comes to trying to do online ministry. Selfish plug here. If you guys like podcasts, I do a podcast called Limping for Jesus, where we are helping people trust God in hard things. Because, like we're going to talk about today, we're all limping. Clearly you see the limp I rock, but sometimes limping is invincible. It's relational, it's spiritual, it's emotional. So, God wants us to limp well, and He also wants us to limp loved. Okay, so the selfish plug is out of the way. And I don't know if my laptop's going to work. Uh baby can you give me my mouse? Um good thing I was smart and I sent my I sent my PowerPoint to my phone for you guys who were born in the 90s PowerPoint is something that old people use to look cool in business meetings. Okay. Okay. All right. I don't think this is going to work, so I'm just going to give. I love when God touches us. Okay. All right. Here, babe. Okay. All right. So, I'm going to bring up my PowerPoint on the phone because... I thought about it beforehand. Okay. So when you think about who God listens to, who comes to your mind? Uh, For you guys who were growing up in the 80s, we would probably think, what, Mr. Rogers, right? Of course, great Pittsburgh reference, of course God would answer Mr. Rogers' prayers. I mean... He loves everybody. What about Mother Teresa? Right? Great Catholic saint. You think Mother Teresa ever got mad? I think so. I mean I have heard some of her stories. Okay, what about in our culture? What about Billy Graham? Or who at Charles Stanley or John Piper, or any young hip pastors that are out there today. Who? Chris Ansel. Yeah, yeah. Pa- sure. Sure, God, listen the Pastor Chris. But I, I hope, like, Chris sharing with you today about him having a rough week shows you, like, pastors, we don't have our stuff together either. We're, we're, because we have the gift of teaching and preaching, we're real people. And, and this is not the sermon, but it is a sermon. Pray for each other and pray for your pastor and, and his family. The one thing I always say to Sarah is marriage over ministry. Because my ministry to my wife and my son is the greatest ministry I have and if I don't do that right, I'm not going to do this right. So pray for your pastor. Now, one of my life verses is Hebrews 4.16. And it says in the NIV, in the NIV, I'm sorry for any King James virgin lovers out there. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive His mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. In the, in, in the ESV, it says, we go bold, we go confidently, with confidence to the throne room of God. In the verses prior to that, it says that we have a high priest in Jesus, who is able to sympathize with us because he has lived the human experience. God, the Son, lived and breathed like we have. He had heart-wrenching moments where he didn't know the way forward. In the garden, he saw the cross coming. and He saw the weight of sin that was going to be on him. And he had a very human moment. Like we would all have, and say, "God, is there any other way?" Right? Is there any other way? I don't want to drink this cup. Trust me, guys. I um, walk in the walk I walk with with a disability, and God has called me to the valley of suffering so many times, and I wish God didn't have me go down that road. But every time I tell Him. If I need to drink from this cup of suffering, let me take something of you back to my brothers and sisters. So if you're going through something hard, if you're going through relational hurts, if you have a bad relationship with your family, or you have a spouse issue, you're overcoming overcomer divorce, or anything like that, sickness, illness, I'm telling you, it's not wasted. If you battle mental health issues, depression, mental illness, everything happens for a reason. And that's just on a Hallmark card. It's true. I'm living proof of that. Now, you need to believe this, that God wants to hear from you. That God wants to hear... From Michael Matthews because that worship song, the second one, really hit me hard where it says he meets us where we are. And sometimes where we are is on a Tuesday at 4:30, coming home from work working with co-workers we can't stand, right? We don't want to pray for them. We want to throat punch them for Jesus. If you're lying, if you have never wanted to throat punch anyone, you're lying and that's the sin. Okay. Some people are ever saved, right? They pray 40 minutes for a house salad that dried up halfway through the prayer. So, that was a joke. Don't Don't cancel me. Okay, so, if someone, here's an example, to be real, if you wake up tomorrow and you find out someone hacked your credit cards, is your first instinct to pray for that person to meet Jesus? No, it's not. You're lying to yourself. You're praying that they buy something, it's a bowling ball, and they, they drop it on their foot or something. And then you say, okay, may, they, may that make them come to Jesus. Okay, a buddy of mine got offended one time when I said that, but I don't care. Um, because if you read in the book of Psalms, David prayed some real prayers in there. And he's not always lovey. He's not always Caleb, is he? He's not always positive and happy-go-lucky like on Caleb. In one psalm, he tells tells God, break the jaws of my enemies. Where's that bumper sticker? Where's that bumper sticker at? One day, I want to do a t-shirt with Bible verses that Christians don't say enough. Like, it could just one t-shirt with all Leviticus on it. People would fall asleep driving or something. So, okay, here's, here's what we're going to do about prayer. Okay. Real prayer, okay, to pray is to change. That's what Richard Foster says. You don't go to prayer to get stuff from God. When you go to pray, and He is a provider, and there is a time to pray for our needs. I'm not saying that. But the primary goal of prayer is to meet with Christ, to get more of Christ inside of you. So to pray is to change. And if you see someone not willing to change, Richard Foster says, you will see a person that doesn't pray. Because why? when we come to God, what does praying do, What does prayer do? It tells on us. It reveals our heart. It reveals bitterness and jealousy about what we pray for. Oh Lord, pray, change my wife, and I'll be a better Christian, right? Pray that, word, that coworker. I want that coworker to get saved because if he gets saved, my life will be better. Then you start realizing, uh-oh, I'm the problem, right? When you get closer to the heart of God, you start to realize your heart needs to change, okay? In prayer, we learn God's heart, desires, and thoughts, and we see where our desires, thoughts, and actions Don't line up. Being being that prayer is the central avenue that transforms us, if we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer. Don't abandon it. No matter how uncomfortable it gets, knowing that God is meeting where you are, but he loves you too much to make you stay there. I, w- I want to say that again. God loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. He will transform you, you will become more like Christ. Okay. My 41 year old eyes. Okay. I want you to know this about prayer. Real prayer is a learning process. You're not going to learn it overnight. The disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us how to pray. So, just like Christian contentment, Paul tells us is a learning process. I've learned to be what? Content in all things. Rather, hunger or in need, whether well-fed or clothed. Christian contentment, that is, to learn how to be content with Christ when you have nothing else, that's a learning process. You know, We're we're not always all there. Sometimes I'm really content with Jesus and sometimes I want that new Xbox. Sometimes I want Jesus and sometimes I want I want to look smart for Mike, right? It's a learning process. And if you're not honest about that, you might might have been a Christian for 20 years, but if you don't understand that it's a learning process, you might not be walking on the right way. And what I mean, I don't mean to guilt you like a Baptist pastor is good at, what I'm saying is, be honest where you don't love Jesus in your heart, in those areas, and where you are, and you'll learn to love him more. The, the the point of Christian is not to be sinless. Okay? That's not the point. It's to love Jesus more. And the more that you love Jesus, sin will lose a pill. I'm telling you, once you taste it the Lord is good... Your favorite sin loses its taste, and we all have them. Prayer is a learning experience. That means you and I can learn how to pray and communicate with Jesus in real ways. Here's, I want to go back to my first point about why you need to understand that you can approach God and you can learn how to talk to God. You can talk to God. You don't need a theology degree, you don't need to go to Bible college, you don't need to know Hebrew and Greek. Many, many, many years ago, I was at a church that had open baptisms. If you don't know what open baptisms are, they opened it up to the congregation in the moment that they felt called to be baptized, they could come and get baptized, and 20 people were baptized that day. But there was a person there that they knew her sin. They knew she struggled with a certain sin. When, they came, when she came up to be baptized, they told her no. Can I tell you this? That is not the heart of God. It's not. Because you don't know when... God's relationship with someone starts. I remember at 19 when I became a Christian, I came from... I didn't want nothing to do with religion. Because everything religion taught me was I was was broken. I didn't have enough faith to be healed. And until I got myself healed, God didn't want nothing to do with me. So in my life, I faced all kind of rejection. So I didn't have no spiritual pedigree to bring Jesus. None of us does. If heaven is not free, guys, none of us are getting in. We all deserve to be turned away at the gates. But because of Jesus, we get in, right? That is what it's about. So a lot of churches become gatekeepers of the gospel. They pick and choose who they want to be saved. And they can't save anyone. You c- couple, I'll never get this. One church interviewed me years ago. And at that time, I was doing a lot of ministry in the recovery community and the homeless community. And they asked me, well, if we hire you, would those type of people come? I was like, I hope. I hope. I want everyone to come to know Jesus, right? That's why I love this community. I I know you guys are a smaller church, I know. But when I come here, I get excited because I see so many different people here. Probably on a Monday or Tuesday, you guys probably want to have a reason to talk to each other. But what's the common denominator here? Jesus. And that's enough. And when the community knows this, when he's the common bond, you can do amazing things for the kingdom where you're at. So, how, okay, Pastor Mike, what does that do with prayer? Okay. God is not going to smite you. That's a good word, right? Smite. Good old biblical old English word. God's not going to smite you when you try to pray and you make mistakes. See, ain't that good news that you are free to pray and make mistakes? You are free to question. You are free to doubt. You are free to experiment. Where is the best place for you to pray? For me, it's not going to be in the woods. I don't know what it is about men's ministry that they think you got to get in a rowboat to meet Jesus. No thanks. I'll be at Starbucks with my laptop and my frozen cappuccino and my skinny jeans. Now I'm teasing. If you're skinny jeans, God bless you. There's a place for you on the team too. Um, But there's all these rules, right, that people put on prayer. That you got to dress the part, you got to look the part. You've got to say the right words. You've got to do the right phrases. But that's not prayer. That's what the Pharisees were doing. That's what, on Facebook today, before I was coming in, I posted this statement. I posted this statement about prayer. And, I, and it goes well with this chapter in the book. Okay? I said... Prayer is about personally knowing God, not performing for those around you. Knowing this will make you have real conversations with the Lord and not rehearse religious phrases to impress others. It's not about the people around you. Corporate prayer is important, but if you're praying to get noticed by the person sitting next to you in the pew you're not getting the point of prayer. When you pray for real, you can get real with God. You can say things like, Jesus, I am I am hurting today. I don't want to get out of bed, but I'm trusting you that you are who you say you are and that this day will not be wasted. See? See what praying is? Or there are, praise, I, there are, there are praise, prayers I do that I probably can't do online or I'll never get invited back to church. But that's what prayer is. It's talking to your Father. It's, it's taking your life, your ups and your downs to God. Okay? Sometimes. how many? Okay, I'm going to see how many people watch reality TV. How many people are... Into that show, The circle on Netflix. Come on, I, I, me and Sarah can't be the only ones. Anyone check out the circle? You guys are lying. <laughs> okay, so what the circle is is a social media experiment where people go in and they're trying to win hundred thousand dollars, and they don't get to see other players, and all they have is a chat form like Facebook or MySpace. And some people go in as catfish. How many people know what a catfish is? How many have been catfished? And you have. If you have done online dating. That's not Brittany. That's Frank. And he lives in the basement with his mom. Okay. <laughs> catfish joke. Okay. so But sometimes we catfish God. Sometimes we pray... In a way, that's not real, right? We go to God and we pretend everything is honky-dory in our life when He knows. He knows that sin we're battling. He knows our heartache. And a lot of times, i got to be honest with you, pastors are afraid to be vulnerable. I interviewed a pastor this week at a church in Pittsburgh for my podcast. And we talked about this spiritual growth group they have at church. And one of the the weeks in this group is called Strongholds Strongholds Week. And what a stronghold is, it's something that we battle, a sin, a habit, a hang-up. And this week was about getting it out in the open with other Christians whether it's lust, anger, pride, gossip, reality TV, fast food. So, but we talked about, as pastors, how hard it is for people to be honest about what they battle. And there were several people during this week, they took that week off. They took that week off. And I know as a pastor, I was scared to be honest about the things I battle because people judge pastors, they hold us to a higher standard, right? They hold us to a higher standard. When I went through my first divorce, hopefully it's my only divorce, oh God, okay. When I went through my first divorce, a guy called me who had also been through a divorce and he was telling me to get my act together. I said to him, I said, homie, you know, because I'm from the hood. Um, I said, homie, uh, did you do everything right in your at the end of your first marriage? He, he said, no, but I'm not a pastor. I said, and bro, I'm not Jesus. But that's the problem, right, in Christian in Christian community. In Christian community, we learn how to play parts. We keep people at an arm's distance, right? And what do we ultimately do? We keep God at an arm's distance. We all do it. There was a part of me at at the end of 2020, I felt like I had to get myself together. I thought I had to clean myself up before Jesus would love me again. And that's simply not true. Okay, so. So, how should we approach prayer? You pray with expectation the, the chapter that covers prayer in that book, really this part in that book was a struggle for me because... As someone who lives with a physical disability, and I help people trust God in suffering every day, sometimes I can pray, thy will be done, right? Sometimes we pray, thy will be done, to give God an out, right? Like we pray over someone, and we have all done this a million times. Oh, pray for their marriage, Lord. We pray for their marriage or we pray for that healing. But what do we do to give God that out? Thy will be done. That way, if God doesn't answer that prayer, we're like, well, it must have been God's will. But what we should do, and praying thy will in the right context has its place. And I'm going to tell you what that is. But when you pray for people, and this is a lesson for me too, when you pray for people, you expect God's going to move in their life. This is not naming and claiming it. Don't, don't come at me on the internet because I'm the first one. If you look me up, I'll roast Joel Osteen every day. This ain't naming and claiming it. This ain't naming and claiming it. This ain't believe in Jesus and you'll get that BMW. Believe in Jesus and you'll win the Powerball. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we believe in a living, breathing God. Right? He moves. He's living. The same God that walked out of the tomb is the same God we pray to. And the God that can raise his son from the dead can answer our prayers in mighty ways. Let me tell you, as a man who is not healed... Saying that is a powerful, powerful statement. I believe in God's power. You should pray in God's power to move. Okay. So how does thy will fit into it? Just like Jesus in the garden, when the way forward is not clear, we trust God's character. That's what thy will be done means. We, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know Jesus is already there, and I know from how He answered prayer in the past, I can trust Him for the unknown prayer. Right? We don't know how He's going to answer that prayer. If He healed me right now, I'm not going to be like, oh, not on my timing, God. So take it back. But if he doesn't heal my disability, I'm gonna, with with hands raised up, open, I'm gonna say, "Thy will be done, Lord. You're still God. You're still king. And I know as a good, good father, you don't keep anything good from me. So before a single thing touches your life, it goes through the hands of a loving father. And you're not going to know that if you don't spend time with him. People come up to me a lot. Pastor Mike, have you thought about praying for your healing? No, it didn't come up in 41 years. I never thought about it, right? I just limped along and rocked palsy hand. And not once in my prayer life did it come up, right? Of course it came up. But through praying about it, what did I learn about prayer? I learned Jesus is enough. Right? I learned that I found Christ in the middle of cerebral palsy. I found Christ in the middle of my thorns. And I learned that no matter what I face, no matter how my prayers are answered, Jesus is always there for me. And he's using my life, healed or not healed, to make his name great. And we all know, no matter what chapter of life you are in, because he lives, our story ends in glory. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I did not see the chapter of divorce coming in my story. But Jesus did. I never saw the chapter in my life where my first senior pastor would end in chaos. But Jesus did. But guess what? Jesus met me in that chapter, and I'm here right now still saying Jesus is good. So I want to tell you real quick how much time do we have? Okay, sorry, I'm Baptist. I I, I swear, I'll try to get you to Applebee's in like the next 10 minutes. Okay, okay, okay. Real quick, real, real quick, I'll try. And I suck at transitions too. Okay. All right, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Real quick. If you do this, it will change your discipline of prayer. It's called the act model of prayer. It's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. A, start your prayer just loving on God. Praising Him for who He is and what He has done for you. That's adoration. You know, if, if I never talked to Sarah, Sarah won't know I love her. We had a conversation today before church about our marriage. We're coming up on a year. And I, I'm i going to be honest. Physical touch is not my love language. I am the pro of the church hug. You know, butt out, hip to the side, pat on the back. That's enough physical attention for me. But Sarah, her love language is physical touch. So we talked about how I can love her better. If we don't talk, our relationship will dry up and we'll drift, right? So the same thing with God. Talk to him like he's a real person because he's real, but love God for who he is. Come to Jesus for Jesus. Many of us come for the gifts But not the giver of the gifts, right? We want blessing. Okay, adoration. Confession. Confession is pouring your heart out in your sin. Make it specific. God knows it everywhere. Jesus Jesus already knows. Where's my laptop? I want to show you. I love this sticker. I saw that. Right? Jesus is all-knowing. I love this sticker. I love it so much because there's so much bad theology in this sticker. So much legalism in this sticker. Oh, man. I remember being a youth group kid and a pastor telling me, Jesus knows when I'm good and when I'm bad. And I was like, ain't that Santa? I'm like, oh, God, he saw me do that? But here's the thing. Because you can't hide anything about, from the Lord, you can be honest about it. You can be real about it. And you'll help change your heart. So that's confession. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is just thanking God for how He provides for your needs. I am so grateful, guys, that I'm up here preaching to you. Because a year ago at this time, I was doing stand-up in the dive bar to four middle-aged white guys trying to block me out because I was interrupting their hockey game. So let me tell you, God is good! I'm so thankful that I'm here with you guys because in 2021, and, you know, I was, flirt- I was flirting with the deconstruction movement, talking to a lot of people. If you don't know what the deconstruction movement is, there's a lot of ex-Christians who was hurt by the church speaking out against the church. and let's be honest. The American Church, Catholic and Protestant, we haven't had a good run. So we understand why people would check out on church, but be thankful for God. Okay, supplication. That's a fancy word that means. Bringing your needs to God, you're not selfish when you pray for your needs and the needs of other people. Okay, if you if you go to there's a lot of people that pray like this, right? They they get their laundry list of prayers and they pray them down. Pray for my health. Pray for my car. Pray I get a car. Pray I get a job. Pray for that guy to get a job. I don't like him, but pray for him anyways, Lord bless my enemy but not really don't bless him more than me but kind of right it's a laundry list right that's not how you pray if you the first thing you do in the morning you pray a long list of i want i want i want i need i need i need that's not how you pray but he's a good father and he cares about your needs so pray supplication prayers for yourself and for your church leaders for your church family because here's the deal. If we're not praying for each other and we're not loving each other in prayer, how are we going to love the community, right? If you guys can't stand each other as a church, and I'm not saying you do, you, you got are probably all friends on Facebook and you love each other. If if my space was around, you'd all be in the top eight, right? younger ones mindspace had a top eight friends list. And if you didn't make in the top eight you got mad for your friends and you didn't talk to them for a month. Okay! So in closing be real in prayer be open in prayer be honest in prayer and aim this is the aim to to become a deeper prayer. And then I think the like questions, real quick, do you seek, I want you to think about these questions this week. Do you seek God in prayer, or just blessings? Do you want God, is God enough, or God in the lucky number? Um, Prayer is where God changes us. Do you share your heart with Him in prayer, or is it just a religious performance? Okay. And this is a big one. This will change your life. This will change your life. If you have trauma from my, like my childhood have I face a lot of rejection. Sometimes we put that on our Heavenly Father. Do you truly believe God wants to hear from you. It's not, a, it's not a trick question. He does. Okay. Oh, All right. And our last one. Do you pray with expectation? Do you pray that with expectation? I once had a, I want, I once had a lady get up in my Bible study and leave mad. And I chased after her as a young pastor. Because, you know, back then I... Worried about offending everyone, Clarity, and 41, you all see, and the internet will see. I don't care. Um, but I thought I offended her by th- something I said, and I ran after her. I said, "Man, man, what? Why are you running out of Bible study?" And she goes, "I'm done with Jesus." I was like, "Why are you done with Jesus?" She goes, "He doesn't pay my bills anymore." I can't, I don't know what to say to that. Because that is where a lot of modern Christians are. Yes, he will provide for you in amazing ways. But come to Christ in prayer for Christ. All right, sermon over. Now you can go to Applebee's or Ruby Tuesday's or wherever. Just... Beat the Methodist to the buffet bar. Okay, no. All right, all right. Thank you for having me. Uh, I love you guys. I pray that you know Jesus loves you. God bless.